York Jets first round selection, fullback, Roger Vick, Texas A&M. All right, welcome back to another episode of Splitting Uprights. Uh, Drew, we got a full house today, man. We're not, it's not just the three of us anymore. No, sir, man. We, we've we've added someone to the, the, the regular roster. You, we did an interview with him last week. Mr. Stone Paul, man. Mr. Stone Paul, how are you doing today, Stone? Doing great. How are you all? Good. Living life. Hey, you can't forget, Pookie's in the house. Pookie! Pookie's always in the house, man. Pookie is always in the house. Whether you want him to be there or not, he's there. Whether he's hiding in your closet, behind your clothes, peep, a peeping Tom, or if he's in bed with you, <laughs> he's there. Um. I don't. I don't like to call it peeping. I like to call it voyeurism. <laughs> hey, hey, whatever you say. Find his videos on a uh, Pornhub if it's under a specific category. <laughs> it's that one of uh, Colton and him dancing. <laughs> find Pornhub videos. You can see me in like the closet in the background with a GoPro, just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. Um, well, Pookie, you started it. First of all, we need an update. Personal training, how's that going? It's going good. I've been uh, sticking to water, pulling the sled, two-mile runs. So I've been uh, doing that. Just got to keep working at it. Uh, new thing, best of the weekend. My camera came back. It's fixed. So I don't have to go and uh, run that child over. Uh, in some sort of horrific car ac accident. Uh, my worst of the weekend was, uh, it just happened, I just broke this morning, I saw in Lebanon, there was a firecracker, like, warehouse or something like that that exploded, and it looked like a freaking nuclear bomb, so that was pretty uh, pretty sad to watch. But otherwise, I'm doing good, dealing with the training, so I've got a lot going on. Yeah, no, actually, that was going to be one of my worst, you know, obviously, we don't like to see those things happening. But my best, you know, last, uh, I believe it was Thursday, the NBA came back on baby, you know, um, big move in, in American sports, having the NBA be on. Uh, it's one of those things that it's just like how the, the Premier League was, it's game after game after game, there's nonstop basketball actions been on for the last five days. It's been awesome. The games have been really good. And I don't really have a worst this week um, besides what Pookie just mentioned. So I'm going to go with another best. August 5th, baby. Season 5 is coming out for COD uh, Warzone, man. I'm stoked. The stadium's opening. There's a train. Train station's opening, man. We'll get more into depth, uh, you know, next week on it with some video game talk. But that's my, that's my other best, man. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to doing nothing but laying on my couch and playing Warzone, man. As of three days ago, my best was going to be season 10 of Shameless was uploaded to Netflix. Now it's my worst because that season is not good uh, through the first six episodes. So another worst, I was sitting through online presentations the other day in an online class that I'm finishing up this week. And just like any other sane person would do, I cracked open a cold one and I had a beer. And it, it was a bottle, by the way, not a can. And I noticed before I finished, I was feeling it. Like I wasn't in a bad way. 
but I could def I knew I was, you know, inebriated and obviously my tolerance has taken a big hit ever since I started doing a lot of distance running. I feel much less manly. So I got to work to find my, uh, my masculine side back. But my best is the fact that I now get to transition it to Stone's best and worst. Can't wait to hear his best and worst of the weekend. Yeah, so uh, mine kind of pertains to the same situation. So my best was Jonathan Isaac uh, stepping up and um, taking a stand for something that he believes in, like whether people think it's right or wrong, at least he had a coherent explanation of why he didn't take a knee or wear a shirt that I guess a lot of people would want him to wear. Uh, But he explained it well and had a good reason why. And then my worst is about his injury and how people reacted to it. So, of course, he stands up for uh, Jesus Christ and is a believer in him. And then he gets hurt a couple of days later, or maybe even a day later. And, uh, you know, people kind of react by saying, well, he deserved it. And, you know, it was coming, karma, all this. But I think that's the worst because. I mean, as human beings, we're supposed to kind of look out for everybody, you know, and um, it seems like a lot of people were just wishing on his downfall, which is kind of a negative thing. And I don't think uh, that's what our country stands for. Yeah, um, it's worth mentioning to the audience, if you guys do not know who Jonathan Isaac is, he's he's African-American. Uh, he's only 22 years old. I believe he's ordained. He's I think he's a minister already. So what are you doing with your life, you know, at 22 years old? But he had a horrific knee injury, as Stone said, this past weekend, torn ACL, I believe, uh, but was just coming back, Drew, off a long-term injury. Is that right? Yes, he, he was. I think he, he hurt his knee uh, earlier in the season. Um, I don't exactly know off the top of my head what it was, but he had missed a good portion of the 2019-2020 the, uh, season. Um, and it, it sucks because he's such a great player. He's kind of been injury-prone his, his couple of years in the NBA which sucks because he's freaking tall, he's athletic, he's long, um, but uh, and he'd be really good for the Magic, but at the end of the day, I think uh, it just sucks to see anyone get hurt, but especially uh, the way it's – the how people have responded to his injury and kind of, I guess, wished that it had happened or whatever like that. So, um, but definitely it's not a good thing. Well, he's a man of faith. He's got great teammates. He's got a great support group. Hopefully he'll make it through again and he'll be – right back and and he had a really good game uh up to that point too i believe so you know prayers up for him hopefully he, nothing worse happens in the meantime let's move on to something better go on to the nfl we love doing that we're going to do a little stat of the day action and then trivia question um let's start with this before i get to the stat of the day uh stone you're you're a betting guy of sorts you know we like to talk about uh odds and all that stuff you know, Pookie's got an eclectic knowledge, and he, he's kind of a savant for these things. I, you know, some might call him an idiot savant, but I don't think idiot is <laughs> taking it far enough. Anyway, this guy knows his stats and his trivia. So, Stone and then Drew, yes or no, do you think Pookie gets this question right? They don't know either. Drew and Stone do not know what this question is, but you have to assume. I'm going, yeah. I got all kinds of uh, confidence in Pookie over here. Yeah, I would, I would say the odds probably is 60-40, 60 being yes. So I got I to gotta go over. So I'm, I'm taking yes for Pookie, man. 
Well, let's let's try this out real quick. Stone, I asked them this question the other day, and Pookie got it like this. Well, for one, he was able to get Patrick Mahomes' uh, touchdown numbers correct over the last two years on the spot, like boom. But I asked him this question, and let's see if you can get it. Stone, who was the last NFL quarterback to throw for 40-plus touchdowns in consecutive seasons? Brett Favre. See, that, that, that's what I would have thought, too. It's Drew Brees. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Yep. 2011, 2012. Pookie goes, Drew Brees. And I let Drew guess. I'm sit, I have to sit back and mute my mic because I'm like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> he just got it like that. So oh, I said Brett Favre because I thought you said uh, interceptions. Yeah, interceptions a year. You know what? You probably would have been right. Or, well, Jameis, I don't know. Yeah, Jameis probably wins that one. Jameis. <laughs> 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 anyway, stat of the day. You guys will love this. Maybe you heard it. Maybe you didn't. So, Tom Brady's birthday was yesterday. That's the only time you'll hear me say his name in a positive light. Um, if Tom Brady throws for 23-plus touchdowns this year, he will have thrown more touchdowns at the age of 43 than the rest of, of the history of the NFL combined. So any quarterback who played up to 43 and into age 43, no one that age has thrown that many touchdowns combined. 22 is the magic number. That's how many all of them combined. George Blanda threw 12 to account for most of those. With like 30 interceptions. Maybe. Warren Moon <laughs> had one. I was about to say, Warren Moon's got to be on there somewhere. Yep. Just one, though. I, the other names I hardly even recognize. But here we go. Trivia question. We'll let Pookie take a shot at it. But you two are definitely welcome to chime in. So, since 2011, the top three quarterbacks in terms of winning percentage are the usual suspects, Brady, Breeze, and Rodgers. Who is fourth? Oh, that's a good one. Uh... I'm going to go with – Man, this one's tough. I, I want to say one of the Manning brothers, but I know that that would be too easy of a of a answer for the question. So I'm going to go with Alex Smith. Drew, Pookie, or Stone? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with, with Luck, baby. I'm I'm riding with with some hometown uh, luck right there, man. 2011 came in the league in 2012, so yeah, I'm gonna roll. With I luck. usually when I look at the stats like that since 2011, I like to think of somebody that got into the league that year. Um, so I think I'm going with Russell Wilson. You, did you guys did you see the camera? I, I covered my mouth to hide my expression in case he got it right. Did he get it right? He got it right. Pookie got it right. Oh my Jeez. gosh, bro. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, it's something about you guys growing up together, going to high school together that has something like this. <laughs> Freaking, what the heck, man? Drew, you heard me hyping up this poll question last night. I did not think he'd get it. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you're gonna have no idea who it is. Pookie's not even gonna get this one. And I was like, all right, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> but hey, the great thing is he just got cleared. To, to go back and actually to do football workouts. If you've seen the story, we talked about it when it came out on E60. Freaking amazing story. Freaking amazing guy. Basically handed Patrick Mahomes the, you know, the reins in, in KC before he went off and started to do his thing. Um, so I'm, I'm super – I hope he beats out Dwayne Haskins, honestly. Even on that leg, probably can't last a hit from anyone. But 
uh, freaking awesome dude and a great quarterback as well. Have you seen the Joe Theismann um, injury uh, comparison oh. with Alex Smith? It's insane. It's crazy. It broke it's, like a, the- it's like a it's like your Abraham Lincoln JFK kind of comparison. No, hundred percent. Yeah, like like literally. I think I I think on that episode I wrote I read down the thing exact same yard line, exact same score against exact same opponent on the exact same day. Everything was like the same. It was crazy. Um, Super crazy. If you haven't seen that E sixty on him, uh, I think it, I can't remember what it was called. Um, it's the E sixty on Alex Smith. It's about an hour long. It's, it it was one of the better E sixties I've seen in a while. Um, and I think it had to do with him as a person in that recovery because his leg was like – he was almost having, having to cut it off, like amputate it because uh, it was like some disease and everything. So it was really – it was a really good story, though. I've always been Alex Smith. I think that he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks of his generation just in general because the guy, he always puts together winning seasons. He had a lot of great years in Kansas City at Guys gave him a lot of flack for not being able to take that team to the next level, and obviously Mahomes did. But Alex still playoffs five or six years in a row. I think it was something like that. That that was just incredible to me for him to be considered a game maker, but to manage games better than most quarterbacks could run and gun it. So it's just uh, he's one of my favorites. Here's what people I think forget about Alex Smith when he got injured uh what year was that was that 2012 the 2011-2012 season I think when the for, for, for when cop when Kaepernick took over yeah Kaepernick put them to the Super Bowl in 13 yeah so I think it was the 2012-2013 season when Smith got injured they were very good like that team was fine and that was a huge debate when Kaepernick came in and that team kept rolling but there was a legitimate debate like Alex Smith, lots of people are saying Alex Smith should come back and play because as good as Kaepernick looks, uh, Alex Smith was doing nothing wrong. He, I mean, he was balling out. He goes to Kansas City, like Pookie says, puts up winning seasons. Now, I mean, it, yeah. it's probably fair to compare him to Patrick Mahomes because who, who really can compare except for, you know, Rodgers and maybe a quarterbacks over time. But, yeah, I mean, he was absolutely – it's like you have a Hall of Fame, and then you have a Hall of Good or a Hall of Very Good. And Alex Smith's in the Hall of Very Good. He's not Hall of Fame, but he deserves to be mentioned. Shout out John Harbaugh. Shout out Khakis. For sure. <laughs> Is that going to be your look, Strom? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the – I'm doing the sweater, the sweater with the collar hanging out, the Bobby Bowden look. I'll go with that. No, and there's plates at Michigan. Trucker hat. Do what? He wears cleats at Michigan. Oh, you're talking about uh, Harbaugh? John Harbaugh. No, not Jim. Uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Yeah. John's in Baltimore. I knew this. Hey, brother. We, we need to get Stone uh, sponsored by some khakis uh, place and so he can rock some khakis. Definitely. Not have to, not have to buy them. <laughs> you know, we know you're on a strict bu- budget over there being a coach and all. Exactly. So it's got to be a uh, low budget. Uh, they got to be stretchy. I can't have the uh, the stiff leg, uh, starched ones. Hell no. Let's get into that a little bit, Stone. So you know you're a coach now, graduate assistant. Obviously, this year is not going the way you thought it would. Your first year, but so what's what's life like right now for a coach? What what are you guys up to? Um, 
we're hosting some recruits uh, every once in a while, just kind of like sparingly, whoever can get here kind of thing. And then I work at the school, separate job to make some kind of ends meet. I don't get paid a lot, but it's enough to survive, you know. And then um, kind of doing some housekeeping stuff, trying to get the locker room at least somewhat ready for even though we have, you know, until the spring. but try to kind of just get things organized and make sure everything's in the right place. Other than that, it's, um, it's just kind of like almost, we're almost on do whatever you can type of thing. So it's a little bit of recruiting here and there, a little bit of film watching. Other than that, it's not much. How, how are y'all conducting recruiting right now? Is it mainly through zoom? I know you guys have had visits. So, yes. So we have some zoom stuff, but we do have people coming in, but we just have to do protocol stuff. So like the normal, the new normal, uh, social distancing and uh, temperature taking and mask. So with like your recruiting process right now, this might be a little much to ask, but like given what you're able to see from them on tape or if, I don't know if you do any workouts or not, but how, how, how are you evaluating this future class? What is it, what is it looking like for, how is the future of Hendricks going? It it looks good. Um, I would say that recruiting has amped up big time from the last couple of years because of our use of technology now. It's a big part of how we do it. So, like Thomas being in there, Edelman, he's made that a big part of how we recruit. And we're just more efficient because of that. And because of his stats work, we're able to lay it out for people, like what kind of guys we're looking for and what kind of game we're going to play. So now the guys really know based off of they have actual factual numbers to look at when they're coming in of who, like what, what is expected and what kind of player they can be in our system. And then obviously have the, the talker and coach Buck who can, you know, he can, he can sell ice to an Eskimo. So and then Coach Phillips, he brings the looks. So if you're going to have a strength coach, you want him to look like Coach Phillips. Um, and then he brings in the numbers as well when it comes to he can talk about nutrition, he can talk about all these things, and especially like body transformation stuff with, with the transformation he went through because he was an extreme power lifter and all of a sudden, you know, dropped all this weight and looks like a complete stud. So we have it all working on all fronts. We have things that the guys can look at and know this is what is expected. We got guys that can talk about any and everything and they can make people feel welcome. And then you have uh, just your tip, your football stuff that we all can talk about and make them feel like this is the place they got to be. And then plus Hendricks campus is undefeated in what you would say like our conference I don't, there's not any, there's not, I would say in division three, there is not a lot of places that look like Hendricks and feel as welcoming as Hendricks is. For sure. Yeah. So gosh, I got to speak on three things that y'all were talking about. One, I've been to Hendricks uh, twice in the past 10 days or so, both times it's been sunny outside, perfect weather. I miss that campus like hell. It is so pretty right now. The weather's, it's been relatively cool in Arkansas over the last few days. It, we deserve, it deserves to have 
athletes on campus chilling, doing fall camp stuff, just to have somebody appreciate how beautiful campus is right now. That's not even a hard sell from an alumni. It's just the reality of it. So number two, uh, all of us were in the Hendricks football program at one point or another. One of the, one of the rules that Buck preaches the most is the food chain rule. Always stay on top of the food chain. Stone, I saw a recruit the other day take a photo where he was flexing his bicep with Coach Phillips. That's a prime example of <laughs> not staying on top of the food chain because you will never win that battle. You will always look small compared to Coach Phillips when you're doing a bicep flex. So my suggestions for future recruits, listen to Coach Buck. Stay on top of the food chain. Stay away from the bicep poses. Uh, you'll never win. You'll never win. At it's least like next Arkansas week. playing an SEC-only schedule. <laughs> so, but three, Pookie, Stone's going to take the politically correct answer. He's got to be a coach and, you know, pay his respect to the other teams and say, this recruiting class looks good here and that. Let me tell you from a former, from a former player graduate's perspective, um, it would be very hard to replicate the talent we had on offense in 2015, 2016. But in my opinion, every single year, the amount of talent we've had in recruiting classes has gone up. The quality of player on average is going up with every recruiting class. We're, we're getting guys who are coming in looking like hulks already. Dude, we got some big dudes coming in as freshmen, like, and that can play right away in some scenarios. So, and I really only see that trend continuing because of the success we've had. Um, it all goes back to the head man. Anything good that Hendricks does goes back to Coach Buck because he deserves it. He works his butt off, and he's simply the man for the job. So, as long as we are in his hands, I'm not worried about the program and Stone too for at least this year. So Coach Buck to me, and he he told me that he would work 90 hour work weeks. No one outworks that man when it comes to recruiting, game planning, anything, everything. He gets every detail down. Uh, you came close, though, Pookie, to outworking him. <laughs> you you worked your butt off, too, bro. You were in service late. Almost every what? night. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a pretty – Tough, tough thing to get a hold of at first, especially when fall camp, when my, I had my first fall camp there. And it was more work than I had ever done before as far as just like because constant loads of laundry because you had to be changed into certain outfits at certain times a day. So they had to be ready by a certain time. So it was it was hard to do, but it was it was well worth it, especially once I got the hang of it. It was actually pretty enjoyable just to have some time there. But that's why we consider you as much a player as anybody else because you came in from day one. You know, I knew you from high school, so I already knew what you were about. But I was worried about well, how are the players going to see Pookie at first? Like, I don't know how they're going to be able to see the work that he puts in when it's all behind the scenes and stuff. But from day one, dude, people came in respecting you because you, you came flying out right out of the gate and stuff. I remember the very first day I think we did – I helped you do laundry, Pookie, and we had the dryer settings turned up so high that all the numbers uh, – you remember how they, like, glued together? Yeah. <laughs> that was a nightmare when we pulled them out of the dryer. We were like, oh, no, what do we do? <laughs> the first day, I remember that vividly. That was that was crazy when it happened just because then it, it affected the whole season. Like, God, Jesus Christ, I can't see these fucking numbers. You know, walking around the whole locker room trying to figure out where they go. And I'm like, why am I stupid? Go on. <laughs> hey.
but it all worked out in the end. You know, we're talking college football. We might as well move on um, unless you're living under a rock like Stone. That's his name. Uh, you may have heard about what's going on in the Pac-12 right now. Um, you have a group of players. Uh, I guess it's fair to call them anonymous. We don't know exactly uh, how many there are, although they say they're about 400 in number, maybe more, maybe less, depending on who you ask. But they have submitted a list of demands to the conference as to what they would like to see change and have threatened to boycott the season if those demands are not met. So, Pookie, I gave you the general gist of things uh, before we came on, and we're going to keep Stone and Drew out of this for right now because I want to get your take. I know you're very passionate on these matters. Um, your general thoughts as to what's going on in the Pac-12 right now, because I think this is a stepping stone for what we're going to see in the future, more sweeping reform, bigger changes, et cetera. So I'll, I'll give you the floor on this one. Well, with what's going on in the Pac-12 and them trying to boycott football, I don't know how many people are involved in that. I think I heard a number like 400. I don't know if it's that high or if it's even higher than that. So it's it could be either way. But my deal with it is, is like one of their demands was like asking for 50% of the revenue. I think we were talking about that before the show. And my thoughts on that is that I don't necessarily think they deserve like 50% of the revenue, but they do deserve some sort of stipend or some benefits. Like if you're playing to make millions of dollars for these big companies and sponsorships and teams and have these elaborate facilities, yeah, getting to have your college education for free is a, a big deal, but not every player on that team is on scholarship. So you could probably working out to where maybe you could get scholarships for the whole team or at least partial financial aid for all of them so they're not having to pay to go play at the school where they're making other people millions of dollars. I mean, it's it's a it's a big deal to me because I don't I don't think that they should have to sit there and watch as professional players are basically in the same league as far as revenue goes, but then they only get you know, the the experience of playing. While I will say that it could, some people might consider it selfish, and I just see it as a, a reality of the situation. It's, it needs to be, uh, it needs to, there needs to be more care taken to these players who are risking their body and making other people a lot of money, and there should be some sort of stipend for them. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. When I, you know, we, we've already talked about this whole issue with paying college athletes, and it's something that we'll continue to talk about. Um, but I think it's really cool, though, that the Pac-12, um, there's been some players who have opted out, just like NFL players, where you don't really see that across other um, conferences yet. Um, and I, I think have, allowing college players that make that the same decision that NFL players are making, um, I think that's something that college athletes need to be able to do because – if not, like they're 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 in the same boat as um, you know just NFL players. Like their their health is at is at risk if they're not if the, if they have to play because if they don't play they're going to lose their scholarship. Therefore, they're not going to be able to go to school anymore. Allowing them to opt out um, makes it to where they're able to uh, not play and, and and be safe. You know they might have a family member. Or they might have a risk of themselves of you know if they get COVID and whatnot. So. Um, just from what I've seen with, when it comes to Pac-12 and stuff like that, I think it's really cool that I've seen play, college players opting out. I think there was a receiver 
Um, I think I want to say it was Colorado. Uh, I believe that just opted out today. It might it might not have been Colorado. It's a, it's a team out of the Pac-12. Sandy, do you know who it is? Uh, it's not, it's not Pac-12. So you do have a few people on record saying they would uh, not play, including we were talking to a player from Stanford yesterday. He has a teammate, Trajan Butler. I believe that's his last name. Uh, he, he, he has gone on record saying he would boycott. Drew, the receiver you're talking about is uh, Bateman out of Minnesota. I think that's his last name. Okay. He's a very high draft prospect, one of the top receivers in this year's class. Yeah, but, I mean, it just shows how, how risk this season is. And, and in my opinion, I, I think um, allowing college athletes to have that same decision as professionals, um, which can even trickle down to high school kids, um, which I, I doubt that. I doubt seeing, seeing at the high school level uh, of kids being up – because it it is a it is a, a whole decision of you know a risk plays a huge factor into it and um, but having but hearing stuff about Pac-12 people coming and 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 boy, basically saying they're going to boycott the season because of their demands not being met is is really interesting to me as well. Um, but we're talking about college you know quarterbacks. We, we were talking to an A&M uh, long snapper. He he was fortunate last year to play against Clemson. Or, Bama. Unfortunate, or unfortunately. Unfortunate, yes, because they lost all the games. But he was able to play against um, Clemson, uh, Bama, he had Georgia, and he had LSU. So we asked him, we said, okay, you have four of the top quarterbacks in the country you're playing against. Uh, and we asked him, we said, who is the best, you know, kind of one through, you know, four or five? Because he, he named one that we didn't, we didn't say. His list goes, number one, Trevor Lawrence, of course, Mr. Sunshine. Two is Tua. Three is Burrow. He put in a number four at Bo Nix, and then number five is is um a Jalen or not Jalen, sorry, uh, Jake Fromm. Uh, so Stone, like you know, being an SEC guy, do you do you think that list is, is where it should be, or do you think Burrow's rated too low? Like, well, what what's your opinion on that? Um, I don't know. Um, it seems like Burrow putting Burrow in the middle seems I guess like an okay thing because it it's almost like he's rating him at in the middle because they were just such a good team that he would say like oh Burrow for whatever reason doesn't really just scare me like that team scares me so then it's like you had two at two is that what it was so it's like there's something about Tua that is like different you know and some people just have that and for whatever that reason is maybe it's Maybe even it's just because he's left-handed. Like, something, yeah, it's just like something like that kind of bothers people, and it makes you kind of think about that guy more specifically than you do think about the team. And who was one? Was it Lawrence? Yes, yes, Lawrence. Okay. And, and I will say this. He, after he did state the list, he said, you know, at the end of the day, really, it's 1A, 1B, 1C with those three yeah. guys. Yeah, um, so- so it's like something he, like that. He just couldn't put an LSU guy at number one being an A&M, uh, you know, football player. He couldn't put, you know, LSU at number one. So that was, that was kind of his main reason. But, I mean, I, th- I think Burrow's probably over Tua. I think Sunshine is is a number one college quarterback last year and he will be this year, obviously. Yeah. So it's like what put – I could see just from not even playing them, but just from watching when he made that run against Ohio State um, – that makes you go, holy crap, he didn't do that to us, but he totally can. And that scares you because it didn't happen to you, but then you watch him do it to a team that's technically better than you, and it's like, oh, man, we – like, it could have been way worse. And so they, he was just kind of toying with us maybe, you know. 
even though that game was pretty close this year for a little bit at least. No, 100%. Now, Pookie, I, I got to ask you this. Bo Nix, um, so it was a surprise to Sandy and I. We, we were like, Bo Nix, but like he kind of brings a special – um, you know, talent really to the game. What, what is your opinion on like a Bo Nix type quarterback? Like, why do you think he was rated above a Jake Fromm? You know, I think that that's sort of a subjective question. And I think the, the, the simplest answer I can give is that Jake Fromm had a lot more to work with, or especially as far as his running game goes with DeAndre Swift and Holly Field. So I think that like a Bo Nix type of quarterback where isn't he does he play for Texas A and M? he plays for Auburn, Auburn. For he Auburn. Was, he he was the running quarterback, yeah. He was the he was the number ten, yeah. He was a freshman this year. Okay, okay. So he he brings a lot more to the table as far as being a mobile quarterback, as far as being able to spread it out, because Auburn, while they have a very talented team, they're more known for their defense. Uh, or at least that's how I would characterize them. So when you have a quarterback like that that is a game-breaker, and Auburn has had a history of having quarterbacks that are very mobile, good runners, and can run the option, whereas Jake from he was more of like a system sort of guy. He benefits from having an embarrassment of riches around him. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. And when he said when he said Bo Nix, I was like, uh, wait, what? But but like you said, at Georgia, you know, having a quarterback and having those guys around you because he's in Georgia, you're you're crowded with talent. You've had multiple running backs going and out. Um, but Sandy, I mean, what, would you rate those guys in that order? What what's your? I'd like to hear your guys' top top five of A uh, and M. Uh. One thing I would want to say is, it, like Pookie said, subjective. You know, Connor's on the field. He's playing against these guys, so he gets a different vantage point. Uh, one thing about Burrow, I have not seen a collection of talent at one school like that uh, since maybe 04 USC, and even then it's better than that. Like, you have NFL wide receivers out the wazoo, and you're Clyde edwards Hilaire in the backfield. You probably got a future first-round a couple first-rounders behind Edwards Hilaire, too. Like, the talent that Burrow had at his disposal is otherworldly. Uh, he he had the best season I've ever seen from a quarterback in college football that I've seen personally in my lifetime. But, Drew and Pookie, y'all will know this because we talked a lot about this going into the NFL draft. I, I believe if Tua was perfectly healthy, it really is one of the – it would be the greatest toss-up we've had maybe since, like, I mean, Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning, maybe in hindsight, obviously it's ridiculous, but it was a big deal at the time. But this would probably be an even greater toss-up, and you could go either way. I think two is just as talented. You put him in that LSU offense, and gosh knows how much he's, how many numbers he's putting up. So, I, so I don't. It's hard for me to rank these guys. All I know is I've heard these things from NFL general managers who speak anonymously, and they will tell you this. They say that Tua and Joe Burrow have very high ceilings, but the ceilings that they have are, are incomparable compared to what Trevor Lawrence's is. They, they think that ceiling is just a mile high. I'm not saying he's going to Denver, but that's how high that ceiling is. <laughs> so that's just my general thought. Now, Stone, for us, it's kind of different because when you're talking about SEC quarterbacks, they all ran through us. They all ran through Arkansas this year. Yeah. So, I mean, Burrow tore us up. Tua, uh, Tua actually didn't play against us this year. That was Mac Jones. Bo Nix, uh, 
Auburn's had our number the last few years, so it's never pretty. But you really – you can't go wrong. He's right. It's 1A, 1B, 1C. If I have to take either of those three, I'm happy. Give me one, I'm good. I'll win. I'm yep. Happy. Exactly. So, like, me ranking them, I feel the same way. Obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, like everybody else is saying, Trevor Lawrence is the guy that you're looking at and you're going, that dude is just on a different level for whatever reason. You know, it's like in the NFL right now, it's Pat Mahomes and then everybody else, even with Lamar. But it's like the court, at quarterback, you have to be able to throw the ball. Like that's your number one job right now is to be able to throw the ball. It's a passing league. you got to be able to make all kinds of throws. And Pat Mahomes can make those throws and some. I mean, he, can, he could probably do some elite stuff left-handed. So it's like when you see Trevor Lawrence, maybe that athleticism is not there per se, but even like, we, like I said, against Ohio State, you saw that he can, he can move. But he's, that somebody said that his, his, um, his mental approach to the game is Peyton Manning-like, and then like his competitiveness and everything is Brady-like. So you put those two guys together and make one quarterback, that is – that's almost – that's terrifying to think about if you're a defense or a coach having to play against that guy. Not to yeah. mention freaking gun. Yeah. So it's like he's got the whole package, and he's a big guy, which recently big guys in the NFL haven't worked. But I don't know. He seems like the real deal. Yeah, no, I mean, well, just recently, too, he put a ring on his, his you know, girlfriend of a, of a long time, you know, on, on Death Valley Field. That was pretty sweet. Um, you know, hopefully he's, he's putting a different kind of ring on um, come, come in the, I guess, in the winter. And then also once he goes to the NFL. Um, it, I'm telling you right now, if, if they have to play college football in the spring, Trevor Lawrence will not play. Oh, no, he's, they're, they're playing in the fall, man. I don't know if they're going to have a national championship. But they're they're definitely playing in the fall. But they're doing he's doing ACC only. So um, he's gonna have to run into Notre Dame. I promise you guys, Notre Dame's gonna win the ACC one year. Get out, never come back in. Um, y'all got but, lucky that y'all aren't playing Arkansas. I'm not even gonna speak on that. Uh, let's just move on. Uh, there's a lot of things happening as we're literally recording this. Alan Hearns, or yeah, Alan Hearns. I think of the the Jaguars. I believe. Dude, who the hell knows at this point? He's, he's yeah, he's on three different teams in the last like two years. He just opted out. You know that's a crazy thing. We were talking about um, last week with the Chiefs guard. I can't. I'm not going to pronounce his name because I'm going to butcher it. And just I'm call him butcher. Doctor. Just call him Doctor. Lawrence Do- Doctor Canada. Um, he's <laughs> he's he's out there and he opts out. And we're like, okay, you will probably see it from a handful. And then apparently half the Patriots team was like, you know what? I'm opting out. Uh, and we're seeing players dropping left and right from opting out of contracts. And that's a big story right now. And, you know, Sandy, I, I think I think it's just something that, you know, it's, it's really personal for you because, like I said, half the team, you know, he thinks there's a conspiracy going on here. So I'll let him speak about it. Uh, Sandy, what's your conspiracy theory? Hey, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's conspiracy theory. I just want to see a show of hands from you three. How many of y'all think there's something bigger at play here? I see two. And the only hand that's not raised, I would expect to have gone up first. So I know Pookie's lying. He thinks there's something going on too. <laughs> hey, listen, it's the same story for 20 years. The NFL's playing checkers. Belichick's playing chess. He knew about this virus coming in since uh, way back later stages of 2019. 
saw his opening and, and took it. Not really. I'm just kidding. Uh, but we have eight players opting out so far, Matt Lacoste being the latest. And we're not just talking about players. We're talking about freaking starters. And it sounds like the McCourty brothers may opt out, or at least Jason McCourty. And that, that, that just blows up the entire thing. I mean, you're talking about Hightower gone, uh, McCourty gone too. Like, you're talking about two of the stalwarts on that defense. So – it, it's a, it's not a tank job. I'm not. Belichick's had too much pride to tank. We're not tanking, but uh, it's not up to us because our record's going to tank. And I'm okay with it. Someone asked me the other day, "Would you rather go ten and six or two and 14? I'm like, two and fourteen. That's weak sauce, baby. Give me one and fifteen. I'll, I'm sold. <laughs> like, I just want Trevor Lawrence. I don't know what y'all taking for about. Trevor, baby. That's right. I've, I've heard a conspiracy that Bill Belichick might actually be behind COVID nineteen. He uh, was in the lab with the in Wuhan, and he was like, "Guys, whenever this happens, we've we've got to make sure that everybody fucking opts out because we we need to just decimate the league. Tom Brady is gone. We don't know what the fuck we're gonna do. Get these guys sick. That's the only option. So before you know it, shit started popping off. So I think Belichick accomplished his mission." Is Belichick the mastermind behind everything that happens, like, bad? Is he, is, he the, is he the mastermind behind everything? I mean, not everything, obviously, but, like, geez, like, this dude just – he just knows when, when to do things. It's just, it's just like, it's mind-blowing. Like, he just completely does something, and you look at it, and you're just like, that doesn't make sense. Like, like just one of those things, man. Drew, some people call him. Some, hold up, I got the. Uh, some people call him the god of the NFL. I call him the Antichrist. <laughs> Drew, Drew, you're not going as far as say because I know there's no way in heck you're suggesting that. You know, let's just say that he was embarrassed by a particular member of the Patriots organization in 2014, maybe the owner per se. He was embarrassed about how that all went and how he had to trade a player that he liked. You're not suggesting that he would have planted some younger women in a joint down in Florida, are you? And got that on film. Because there's no way that happened, right? You're not suggesting anything of the sort. You're saying Belichick would have gotten back at Robert Kraft for that. Hey, man, I'm suggesting a lot of things. Um, but I don't know. I'm not on, I'm not, I don't want to go on record of saying that because I feel like that, that's a high possibility. Um, but <laughs> hey, hey, Bill had a dog drafting for him this this in April, so he he's got a lot of things going. On. He's he's probably got some um, for sure. Like he's got some things going on. He's got a secret lab somewhere where he goes and and hangs out and you know does all of his crazy things. But um, no, I it's just one of those things that I, I think it's great. But Stone, like, what what do you think of opting out in the NFL? Like, what do you think it's going to do for the league? Um, I'm hoping that we get uh, Deion Sanders back. Uh, let uh, Steve Smith, maybe he comes back. <laughs> Shannon Sharp. I'm hoping we get some NFL legends to come back. I need to see uh, maybe a uh, Dan Marino throw another touchdown. Brett Favre. Brett Favre is definitely coming back. That's my hot take. Is not well, actually, not a hot take. Brett Favre is definitely coming back. I don't know who he's going to come back for, but he's coming back. Maybe Jacksonville just so he can throw a little bit, just, just, you know, get the rust off. And then he'll retire again and wait for somebody else to pick him up. 
I could see it happen. You know, Brett Favre was one of those guys, and I feel like he still looks better than what he does um, when he left the NFL. Like, I feel like somehow he's got our, gotten uh, in better shape for sure. Levi's um, and copper fit. It'll change your life. Apparently, dude. Apparently, I, I need to. I need to hit. I need to get on that train. You know, I don't work out anymore, um, so I need to just start looking, starting wearing nice clothes to look to look good. But there's some news, um, and Pookie, this kind of this kind of hits your your heartstrings here um, with AB. You know, obviously he's long gone from the Steelers. He's not around anymore. But a guy that you love for years, um, he's suspended eight games. But I thought he was retired. Like, like what's the deal, Pookie? Well, he, he claims to be retired, which he claimed to be retired two times before this and came back. So I don't think the motherfucker's retired. But he suspended eight games just because in case he unretires, the NFL needs like eight weeks to figure out how to get by with all the backlash from everyone, you know, saying, no, we can't let A.B. back in the league. And personally, I think that A.B. needs to be assassinated. he cannot play for the Ravens there are rumors that Lamar Jackson wants him in Baltimore the Steelers cannot let that happen Mike Tomlin needs to pull up putting his foot on the field while Jacoby Jones is running it back for a touchdown he needs to do that except with a pack of C4 under AB's car we cannot let him get to Baltimore wait (laughs) okay you you cannot be calling a hit right now now on AB because you're, you're talking about some guy that has got some strings and, and we ain't trying to get pulled on. Uh, we ain't trying to get pulled up on. Pookie, there's a much there's a much less expensive way to put a hit out on AB. Just call Vontez Perfect. <laughs> I need I need to leave the room right now. Yeah. Uh, um, but let's Stone. I wanted to ask you this. So. Eight games, obviously, but we're talking about a guy that he could step on the field tomorrow and carve up the best of the best in the secondary. Like, the, the man could go out and get you 10 for 170 tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, He's definitely. that good. So, my question to you is, and, you know, the Cowboys are always mentioned whenever it comes to these guys getting signed with suspensions. Um, this isn't for the Cowboys, per se, but do you think Antonio Brown is signed before the season starts? Or during the season, like, is he signed in the year 2020? Yeah, I think he'll get signed again. I mean, it happened with the Patriots last year. They, you know, they took a flyer on him. So, I think he will get signed again. I don't know if someone's going to wait. Obviously, they're not going to wait till the till halfway through the season. If I say it'll be around week four. So, you get that eight-game suspension out of the way and then you have them for the end of the year in the playoffs. But that'll be the latest, like four, maybe six. But I think someone will take a flyer on him just to try to get some kind of spark, especially if their team is kind of either in the middle of the pack or they're kind of like on the verge of being a a contender in the playoffs. Maybe, but the drama is what kind of, you know, keeps everyone away. But I heard a rumor – that uh, TV twelve was trying to get him in uh, in Tampa, and that would that receiving core would be the stupidest receiving core in NFL history. It would it'd be up there. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, if you're a betting man, what are the odds are you putting on? What are the Vegas odds that you would put on? You know, AB signing signing to a team in, in the 2020 season. Well, it seems like you would have to put a number on it that would 
entice people to put a lot of money on it. Mm-hmm. So it would have to be something that, that is like a value play is what a lot of people talk about is something that has good value for, you know, your money so you can get a lot back. Um, I'd put it like probably, I'd probably put it around like 1500 or 1200 And that's without looking at any other thing because someone sees 1500 and they're like, Ooh, that's pretty high. But if it hits, I'm going to look like a genius, you know, mm-hmm. whereas I think if it's more than that, if it's like 2000 or 3000, people won't put money on it because it's way too high. And if it's too low, people are just going to be like, I mean, I'm not getting banged for my buck here, you know? So they'll put it at like a happy medium in between the bull and in between the two. So I would say like anywhere like 12 to 1500 and that's 12 to 1500 meaning 12 to 15 odds. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't think I don't think if you put them high, no one's gonna want to bet. If you put them too low, no one's gonna bet. You gotta find that middle ground um, yep. with A B. But you know, the top one hundred list just came out last week. And Pookie, I need to ask you this because you're you're you know our, our specialist when it comes to um, really ranking these guys. Um, do you do you think A B if he played the twenty nineteen season, where do you think where where would you where would you put him on the on the list, knowing what he can do, obviously. Uh, if he had played with New England the full year, he probably would have blown up and the Patriots would have won the Super Bowl somehow. Um, but do you see do you see him finding his way like in the top 15, top 10? Or do you – amongst receivers, like where would you put him? I would definitely see him making the top 15. It would be hard for him to break the top 10 just because he kind of bounced around from team to team and guys' opinions of him sort of dropped after some of the drama that, he, that surrounded him. So I would say – but. People also, there are going to be a lot of players that still have a lot of respect for A.B. And he's still, he could still, like Sandy was saying, he could still do 10 for 170 tomorrow on on Stephon Gilmore, your best corner, whoever you want to put him up against. He'll do it. And uh, with, with A.B., I still see him being one of the top players in the league. He could definitely be top 15. Uh, the the NFL top 100 posed a lot of questions for us. My biggest bugaboo with the top 25 to 10 is that Nick Bosa was rated higher than my boy TJ Watt. And that's just not flying with me because TJ Watt was a defensive player of the year category candidate and Bosa, he was excellent, but he wasn't TJ Watt. And I think that Watt should have got the respect that he deserved and been in the top 20. No, I mean, it, I, there's like you said, there's a lot of questions raised. Um, to speak on TJ Watt, I do believe he should have been higher. Um, like you said, defensive player of the, of the year candidate. Um, had a, a crazy year. He was one of the reasons why the Steelers defense was as good as what they were. Um, but if you got – I feel like the top six, man, that was a pretty set – set group that I don't think you can really change, you know, with Lamar being at one. Russell surprised me at two, but, you know, looking back on it, if you just look at the 2019-2020 season, Russell was really a, a, a big number two. Aaron Donald at three. Mahomes at four, which is the, another guy I would probably have put higher um, instead of lower. And then you have Thomas and McCaffrey to round up the six. I think those six, in my opinion, really wherever you put them um, – I think those are the top six players in the NFL, at least from last year. 
Uh, but is there any is there any questions or you have a you have a comment, Sandy, on on you think that's wrong? Uh, yeah, I have a big problem. Uh, I think McCaffrey should have been higher. I never thought I would say that on a team that bad, a running back could carry a team like he did. The numbers he put up. Well, I don't think anyone had done 1,000, 1,000 since Roger Craig did it. The season was unbelievable. Single-handedly won me fantasy, by the way. Um, Chris McCaffrey should be higher. I think he should be higher than Michael Thomas. I think he should be higher than Patrick Mahomes. I'm not well-read on Aaron Donald's stats. I think he should be higher than Aaron Donald. Uh, that's disrespectful because he's probably going to plow through my wall at any moment and kill me. Uh, and as good a season as Russell Wilson had, I put McCaffrey above Russell Wilson too. Now, Lamar Jackson had the best year, but one thing I would say about Lamar Jackson is they got knocked out by the Titans. Uh, and, and that shouldn't take that shouldn't take it away from him as much. But I guess what I'm trying, dude, the season McCaffrey had. I know Michael Thomas broke the receptions record. Um, that's very impressive. He's a great receiver. But as many times as the Saints throw the ball around, like, I just think what McCaffrey did is insane with a team that was not very good, where he was the key. You key on him. And he still made people look silly. So I thought that was disrespectful, Drew, when you're talking about top six. I thought he should have been higher. No, and I mean, I think it's a, you know, subjective list. Uh, obviously, everyone has their own opinions. Uh, but, yes, I I, def, I think the year he had deserved him a top three. I, in my opinion, my top three would have been Lamar at one, obviously. I put McCaffrey um, in the top two. And I would – I would now that I think about it, I'd probably put Russell at my number three um, just because he – the year he, he really – he really took the Seahawks and led them to the, the – as far as he could um, – but there's a guy at number 15 who I thought – I knew he was going to make the list, but I was like, man, you know, he's, he's really underrated. Um, Chandler Jones, you know, we, we talk about, you know, Bosa and, and TJ. Chandler Jones is a guy that is really going to change that Cardinals defense, and I think he's getting the, the credit he deserves. Um, he's, he's awesome. Like, he's, he's great. Um, but I know there's a guy at number 14 that um, – that Sandy does not like um, because the year he had was pretty shitty, and that's Tom Brady, you know. Let's be honest here. I'm not holding a grudge. I don't have a grudge against Brady. Let's be freaking honest, though. In what world is Tom Brady number 14 on the NFL Top 100? In what world? Are we kidding ourselves? Like, Stone, back me up here. He's – there's no way he's number 14. This is a lifetime achievement award. That's yeah. what this is. Yeah. So that's what the confusion is sometimes, it seems like. It seems like the guys, you don't – there's not like a consistent – like everybody's ranking these guys off of that season that happened that prior to the rankings. It seems like there is some legacy involved, and that's why people get on the list and why some don't get on the list. So it's like – there's some guys that are left off that you know had a really good season, but they're in a small market and they didn't really get talked about or their team had a bad year. So it's like, I don't know if, um, was Josh Allen on the list? Not the quarterback, the defensive end. For a rookie, he had, for a rookie, he had double digit stacks, but he was on a crappy team and he didn't really get a lot of recognition. So it's like, 
where do you or second year player sorry and he didn't really get a lot of recognition because he's on like a crummy team so I don't know like the legacy involved with it sometimes kind of makes me mad too because it seems like if Tom Brady threw 15 touchdowns and 15 interceptions it would be like oh well his 15 touchdowns were the perfect touchdowns and the interceptions didn't even really matter you know so they would just legacy him into the top 100 but like I agree Sandy like he didn't seem like a top 15 player in the NFL last year yeah I mean for sure this he just didn't have a great season and again that's not me holding a grudge I just don't think you can make the argument that he had a better season than you know Rodgers came in at 16 I mean Rodgers had a better year than Brady by most standards yeah. I mean the guy barely throws a pick and whatever um I want to throw this in there guys maybe my biggest problem was at number 29 and not because he was rated too high but because this man was thoroughly disrespected and is a top 10 player any day of the freaking week it's time we show some respect to right guards left guards etc guys Quentin Nelson should be a hell of a lot higher than 29 he's top 10 all day um I was looking at the list let's see he at least, I believe, should have been ahead of Derrick Henry. He had a great year. Uh, it, it's hard to put – I mean, honestly, maybe you put him over Gilmore. I don't know. But Quentin Nelson's got to be in the top ten, man. He's that good a player. Um, Drew, you're a Colts guy. I know you probably feel pretty strongly about this. Maybe I'm passionate because I love my linemen and my fullbacks, but that's just how I feel, man. Disrespect. I mean, I 100% agree. Um, you're talking about a guy who single-handedly came – when he came into the league – um, at number six overall drafted by the Colts completely changed the entire organization. You know, obviously we were heading in a different direction um, beforehand, but you're talking about a guy who just came in and just brought a nasty streak in and has completely changed that offense. You know, he's, he's the almost the sole reason why we're the best offensive line in the league. Now don't get me wrong. Braden Smith at right tackle, Anthony Costanzo at left tackle, great guys, um, really good at their job. Ryan Kelly, the center's, you know, an average center. And then the right guard, I, I don't even want to say his last name. Uh, he's not great, but uh, he, he does the job. But it's really Quinn Nelson. And, you know, Stone was talking about him breaking down film. And this dude's not just a nasty guy. He does things on purpose. You know, the way he, the way he arcs his back or how low his butt is to drive someone and just kill him. Um, you know, in my opinion, it's just one of those things where it's like, come on, you, you got to give him more respect. You know, having seen DeForest Buckner on the list as well gives me high hopes for this year, especially on the D-line. Um, and to see those guys go in that um, at practice is going to be awesome because those are two of the better D, two of the most underrated D-linemen uh, or D-linemen and O-linemen in the league. Um, and so I, I can't wait. Uh, it, it's an exciting season to be a Colts fan, you know, it's going to be great. We're going to win a lot of trench wars, and that's that's what wins you game, baby. Real quick, I wanted to get in a couple others. Uh, Nick Chubb at 36, I thought was ranked a little low. Uh, Aaron Jones had a great year, but I probably would have put Nick Chubb above Aaron Jones. I love Saquon Barkley. I think he's as talented as anyone in the league. I still think Nick Chubb had a better season than Saquon Barkley. I think he had a better season than Ezekiel Elliott. So I think Nick Chubb got sh shorted there. And the reason why I bring up these names, guys, is I hate when people say, this guy should have been higher. He should have been higher. But I'm like, okay, who are you taking out, though? Like, you got to take out somebody to put them there. So that's why I thought these names. I'm not saying they had bad seasons. I do think Nick Chubb had a better season, though. I wanted to mention that. Um, 
But Pookie, I wanted to go to you because we talked about this guy. You may not remember us talking about him a long time ago, but it seems like forever, four years or so. But there was a time when Levante David was one of the better linebackers in the league. He finally returns to the NFL top 100. And I wanted to go to you for your thoughts on, on him. Levante David is the most underrated linebacker in this in the past 20 years of football, okay? I fucking love Levante David. I think that you could put him on any defense. He could be a 3-4 inside linebacker. He could be a 4-3 outside linebacker, and he would be great. Um, there are a lot of players that I would probably take out of the way for him, like Buda Baker. What the fuck is a Buda Baker, okay? Uh, uh Levante David has the speed. He is a tackling machine. I don't know who the fuck was making this list. Well, I do know who the fuck was making this list. It was the players, and they did not give Levante David the respect he deserved. Given it's he's he's not as good as he was a couple of years ago, but Levante David absolutely should be in the top fifty. I don't know if he should be in the top 50, but he definitely should be higher than what he was. Yeah, I, yeah, Pookie, you pick number 50. Drew would have a problem with that because coming in at number 50 is Darius Leonard. Yeah, he, he's, definitely better, he's definitely better than Devonte, or Levante David. Um, but, he, but, he's, but Levante David is very underrated. I will give you that. Like, I have a problem with Todd Gurley's at 51. Todd Gurley's at 51. He had a – I drafted him in fantasy. I was pretty upset. So, Todd Gurley's at 51. I think there's a lot of players that you can move up, like Zach Martin's at 55. Zach Martin can easily be 51 over Todd Gurley. So, that's what, I'm, that's what makes me mad is that is obviously legacy. Like, because Gurley had a couple of good years before, he has a down year, and people are like, no, no, he's, he's really, really great. Well, yeah, we know he's really good. He's had a couple of good years, but this year he was not good. You can go ahead and rank them low. You're not disrespecting them. It's just that's how it was this this past season or whatever. It's like that that it's stuff like that that kind of makes me mad. Like I really don't think that um, Ryan Tannehill is a top seventy player in the NFL. Ryan Tannehill at sixty eight above Larry Fitz. I don't care. Like Larry Fitz had a still had a really good year, and I think his year was better than Ryan Tannehill's. But he gets that shock factor. Fred Warner's at 70. Fred Warner should be ahead of Ryan Tannehill. But it's like sometimes because some people are so shocked that this guy did a good job, they get ranked high. So I don't – there's some of these that don't make sense, and then there's some that make total sense. But looking at this list, if, since we were on the Bucks, the Bucks have a lot of people actually on this list. Like – if you count Tom Brady, Tom obviously we think Tom Brady's kind of high, but Tom Brady's on there now. Uh, Shaquille Barrett, Chris Godwin, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mike Evans. I mean, you got some studs on here, and I don't did was David on the list? Levante David was he on the list? He's yeah, just he was low. Number, he was number one hundred. So it's like you have they have a ton of talent on this team on that team coming in. And I expect a lot of these guys to jump way up in these rankings, especially with, um, Bruce with the, I would say, yeah. And then with Tom Brady, probably not throwing as many interceptions as Jameis. 
Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I've got two things, and these are two things kind of towards Sandy. Um, looking at the top 100 honorable mentions, Sandy, can you tell me who's number 101? Marquise Pouncey. That beautiful, beautiful man, Julian Edelman. Um, it's, it's, I, it's tough to make an argument for him to be in the top 100 this year, but he's top one in my heart for sure. And, hey, just watch out for next year because that we now have the best-looking team in the league. When you see Cam Newton roll up to the park with those big-ass legs, those flat-ass abs, those big-ass arms, and Julian Edelman right beside him with those massive-ass calves, like, we, we may not have the wins, but we got the honeys following us, okay? That's, that's my <laughs> take on it. And then the second thing is, you know, we're talking about politics beyond this list or uh, uh, about this list. Um, I, and I'm really surprised he didn't make it this year. Uh, I know he didn't play in 2019. Uh, I'm surprised Rob Gronkowski didn't make this list just because he's coming out of retirement. Just, just sold a JJ Watt a couple years ago, played two games and was in the top 20. And I about, I about kicked in my TV and it's all like stone said is all politics for certain people. So I'm surprised Gronkowski is not on this list. I, Mark my words, he can catch five touchdowns with 500 yards and he will be in the top 50. Just watch. Just watch. Mark it today, right now, Sandy. Rob Gronkowski with top 50 by next year. That one's going in the archive. Yep, I, I agree. I totally agree with that. It's definitely something like that. It always happens. It never fails. Someone has, you know, and it seems like, it's like those players that the play happened to them. Like, say Gronkowski makes five plays all next year. Those five people are going to be like, oh, yeah, this is so good. He was so good, man. He did so good against us, blah, 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 blah. And it's just because if they rank him high, then it makes them look like, oh, it wasn't that bad of a play on my part. It was just that guy is that good. I swear they always talk about there's no way you can stop that. They're, I mean, he's unstoppable. Like, <laughs> No, he's fucking not. He is a- Tom Brady's unstoppable. Ten touchdowns, 500 interceptions. He's unstoppable, man. Fun fucking stoppable. <laughs> I want to get in one more as our resident offensive line specialist. Ryan Ramchick coming out at 82, consistently grades in as one of the best offensive linemen in the league. Uh, I think he should be a lot higher. Lots of disrespect to the offensive linemen this year, clearly. Um, but that does it for me. I got all my anger out. I, I have one thing. You said uh, – uh, so somebody said something about Zeke. Y'all better put some respect on that man's name. Y'all better put some respect on that man's name. Zeke at 24 is really is actually good. I think that's a good spot for him. He did not have, like, his best year. But the Cowboys being bad does not mean Zeke is bad. That Get that out of your head. Zeke is, in my opinion, Zeke is the best running back in the league for this reason. He is the best – he is – I – 100% believe this. Nobody can block a pass rush like Zeke. He sets himself way apart from everybody because he can block pass rushes so well. Like, and it's not like a, oh, he just picked it up and Dak kind of got the ball off. It's like impact blocking. Like, I would say Zeke is the um, Quentin Nelson of blocking running backs. The only one with a better right hook than Zeke is Joe Mixon. I, that we knew that one was coming. Um, 
this this illustrates why I am so glad and why we are so fortunate that Stone will be joining us on the show to give us takes like this because that absolutely sucks. And I'll tell you why. Zeke had a good – I don't want to take anything away from Zeke Elliott, but I, Nick Chubb had a better year. All right, Nick Chubb had a better year. And, hey, I, Saquon Barkley, in my opinion, I take Saquon Barkley over Ezekiel Elliott. That man's going to eat his way out of the NFL, man. So Ezekiel belly it all the way, just like Brady Casey and a cleric hungry before him. You know, I love I love uh, Salvation Army Zeke, but he great year, not better than Chubbs, and I'm taking McCaffrey and Barkley over him. Good in the pass rush though. Beautiful in the pass rush. Don't say good. He's very good. Pookie's writing something. We're all just like waiting to see what's going on here. You'll see. This isn't going to end well. All right. All right false alarm. Pookie, uh, Pookie's not writing anything. Uh, Stone, you had something to say? This, um, this may be a hot take. I don't think it's going to be a hot take. Because of the offensive line that is in um, Indianapolis, I think that the season that Josh Jacobs had last year I think Jonathan Taylor is going to surpass that by so much. And he has a heavy he, – there's a dense backfield there because he has Hines and he has um, – is it Mack? Yeah, Marlon, Marlon Mack. Mack. Marlon Mack there is a starter, dense backfield yeah. there. But because of the talent level that is Jonathan Taylor, I think he's going to surpass I, – I think he's going to be – I can easily see him a fifth, a, as a rookie, a 1,500-yard guy with – a lot of touchdowns. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say double digits, but I, can, in my opinion, I can easily see that because of the type of offensive line. And you now have this veteran quarterback coming in with and uh, Philip Rivers. Yeah, he is captain checkdown. So Hines is gonna get a lot of those those checkdown passes and everything. But I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to establish himself so much and so quickly that he's gonna get a lot of those passes too. He's also going to run behind Quentin Nelson and that great offensive line, and they're going to, he's going to dominate. He's going to have a better year than Josh Jacobs had this past season. Stone, this is your welcome to the podcast moment. We've already made bets uh, on the show. I've got one with each Drew and Pookie. Um, I'm not ready to make one with you. I'm going to see if anyone wants to take the bait. I'm going to give you an over-under right now. Uh, maybe we defer until later. and We can increase the number as we go. Right now – on record, will you call it over eight and a half touchdowns for Jonathan Taylor? Over. I'm, do, I'm, ta- I'm going over. I think he's going to have that big of a year. I really do. Anyone want the under on that? I'll take the under. There we go. But my deal with Jonathan Taylor is I loved him coming out of the draft, and I wanted the Steelers, if they couldn't get J.K. Dobbins, hey, Jonathan Taylor. But as I've thought about it a little bit, Jonathan Taylor carried the the ball a lot in college. I mean, a lot. He had a lot of carries, and that wear and tear does not translate well to the NFL. That's why you see a lot of, like, you know, McCaffrey types that caught a lot of passes, too, in college. They, they work out. And even if Jonathan Taylor does have the year that you're claiming he will, I don't think it's going to be as, sustain, as sustainable – as we would like to think, just because he had so much tread on his tires from Wisconsin, 
and he's going to be used a lot as a rookie. So it's like, yeah, he has Marlon Mack and Hines to back him up to uh, take some of those carries off of his hands, but they're going to want to keep him on the field because he's so good, and that could transfer to a shorter career. I think a lot of the problem with that, though, with those guys, so like me, especially us Arkansas guys with Darren McFadden, where, what happens with Darren McFadden? Darren McFadden's the entire offense at, uh, the, U, at the U of A. Um, gets in the NFL as a top five pick, and what happens? He basically has two good years in in Oakland, and really one of those was really good. And why? And so everyone asked why? Like why was he a, a bust? Why? Why did this happen? Well, first of all, the the franchise at the time that he was drafted was was Cleveland like it was terrible, not good, not winning seasons, no no real direction, no real. They had, they had no chemistry, nothing. So what happens when they get an offensive line, though? The, the, they, get an, they finally get an offensive line, and Darren McFadden is at, at the back part of his career, especially as a running back. He's getting close to his 30s, and then he goes off. He has 1,400 yards, you know, double-digit touch, touchdowns, and is, does all these great things for him. But it's like, well, it's kind of too late. You waited too long. You took this guy in the top ten, and – now he's just since he's a running back he's bust he's he doesn't have any tread left. Jonathan Taylor is going into the perfect situation. Veteran quarterback, great offensive line, good defense. There that team is set up perfect for him and because of that I don't think we have to we have to even worry about uh like the Alvin Kamara or the Christian McCaffrey types that didn't get all those carries in college and did catch the ball a lot more. I don't think we have to worry about that because he's not going to get just pounded on every game. He's got that offensive line to run behind. He's got a smart quarterback that's going to put him in good situations. So we're not going to see that breakdown really fast because he's not going to get – he'll probably get 250 carries, 225 carries, and they're going to translate to big numbers. Listen, you guys are talking about the Colts. That's my squad, all right? Here's the deal. Don't get me wrong. Jonathan Taylor is the most talented back on the roster. But like Pookie mentioned and Stone just kind of mentioned, he's not going to come in to be a day one starter. He, he will share the reps with, with, um, with Mac. Um, Naheem Hines will probably be the third down back uh, as well as a pass catching back. So he'll, he'll get a lot of that load. So he won't be throwing the ball or won't be catching the ball as much probably his rookie year, maybe even his uh, second year. Um, I, I would say he's probably going to be understone for the simple fact of him and Mac are kind of similar backs. He's definitely more of the power back. So he might get more of the goal line touches. I don't see him having a ton of yards his first year. Cause I think Mac is very talented. He's super, super underrated. Um, and especially, you know, running behind that O line, you don't need a super talented guy. Uh, obviously you want one, you get one in Jonathan, but I've always said, you know, you got to draft running backs instead of paying them. And, they, they want Jonathan for the long run. He's not going to come in day one and, and, you know, have 100 to 200 carries or 200 to 300 carries his first year. He's more looking at 100 to 200 that first year. But he will have a great O-line to go on. And we have a saying in Indianapolis, run the damn ball. 